When John was saying that women are like spaghetti and guys are like waffles, it is true. When I was trying to um, decide what I was going to say, speak, say to you all this morning, uh, I had so many ideas and they were going in all different directions and I was writing out scripture verses and I was looking at things that the Lord had used in my life. And John said, here, I have an outline for you. Sometimes when I'm talking and I'm kind of animated, I'm moving from thing to thing, John will say, wait, stop, tie a knot. Finish that thought before you move on to the next one. I said, okay, tie a knot, I need tie a knot. I guess I have to tie it on the end of my spaghetti. So I stay there for just a minute before I move on to the next thing that flows into my head. So I'll try to keep my knots tied this morning. John mentioned earlier that uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. I am. I'm a Pennsylvania Dutch girl, and my uh, maybe a shellhammer. So we check out my um, lineage or ancestry. It all went to Germany. There was no deviation until in 1752 my family came to the United States. So I am a daughter of the American Revolution. And my father's very proud of that. <laughs> That's good. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. We went to a nominal Christian church, but we were all part of it. And I didn't realize there was anything missing until my father said one day, we need to go to a church that really preaches the gospel and salvation. I was like, all right, that, that sounds good. I didn't really understand that fully. And I remember being in this church uh, that we changed to, and vacation Bible school on Tuesday, the plan of salvation was shared with me, and that's when I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And I was nine years old. I was so excited. I was so excited to have accepted Jesus as my Savior. I thought for sure that everybody could see it on my face. I just felt like a light bulb everywhere I went. I'm different. I'm different. I can tell I'm different. And it's Jesus. Well, uh, right after, actually it was that same week, in church camp, they had a memory verse contest. And I do tend to be I won't say I'm overachievers, so we won't go that far. But I do love competition. Love competition. So I'm going to give me something to compete against, and I'll do my best. Well, I won. I, I memorized 72 Bible verses that week, the week I was saved, in vacation Bible school, and I won a contest. <laughs> and the contest was I won a free week at Bible camp. So I went to church camp for the very first time, right after I was saved, and I remember being what they called the chapel or the tabernacle, and they kept talking about giving your life to the Lord, giving your life to the Lord. I'm a believer, and I didn't fully understand that. I, just between those couple of weeks, I had turned 11 years old. And in my 11-year-old mind, I thought if I surrender to Christ for, with my life, then I have to go to Africa. I really thought I had to go to Africa, and I didn't think I was ready for Africa. And so I remember... Uh, I kept thinking, like, the Lord was really um, calling me to go forward and dedicate or surrender my life to the Lord. And so I made the point to talk to the chaplain. I needed to talk to the chaplain, who was such a kind man by the name of Dr. Smith. And I said, oh, I want to go forward. I really want to go forward. I'm not ready to go to Africa. 
ago. God bless you, honey. But he said, listen, if you're afraid to go to Africa, then you have fear. And the Bible said, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, a sound mind that fear comes from Satan. It does not come from the Lord. Well, that was a whole different thing. And I can still remember it that day. So I couldn't wait to go to chapel the next day. I was there. And when it was time to go forward, I went forward. And that was my complete and full surrender. And I know that we have to continue on in the journey. But but from that day forward, I have to say, whenever I had to talk, whenever I had to sing, whatever God brought in my life, I realized that I could never, never, ever do it in my own strength. I don't know where that came I don't know where that came from, except from the Holy Spirit and maybe pastors that I had been raised up with. But when I so when I'd say I'd say, Okay, Lord, I don't want them to see me. I'm a chubby little girl. I don't want them to see me. I only want them to see Jesus. Won't they see Jesus? So that's still my prayer every day. When I go to work every day, on my way to work I say, Okay, Lord, no Linda, I want them to see Linda. Let's just see Jesus today. Let Jesus shine.
And then we were supposed to put a verse under our name, and we all picked a verse. And, and so I remember traveling her on the bus. We are traveling on the bus, and I said, you have to pick a verse. You need a light verse. So I need a light verse. Lord, I need a light verse. So I remember pouring through my Bible, praying, asking the Lord. And the verse the Lord gave me was Galatians 2.20. I just, the Lord said, this is good. When this will be your life first? And uh, I'm sure I didn't fully understand it at 18, but the Lord has been unpacking that verse for all these years with John and I. We're so very grateful for that. I'm following my notes to the beginning of this time. Okay. Yep, we're good. Okay. <laughs> Can read your writing too, honey. This is really good. Okay. Um, from here, obviously we moved to Ontario, love Southern Ontario, and then the Lord said, "You're moving to Tennessee." And always in our move, the Lord has given us scriptures, scriptures that say, "Absolutely, this is where I will call you to go." And so it was sad once again. It was I was the choir director. The day we, we said that I was leaving, I was bawling through the whole service, and they said at the end, "I'm really." Because it was really sad. <laughs> and then we went to Ontario, and that was really sad. But now God has called us to Tennessee. We've been there for 18 years. I can't believe 18 years in, the, in Tennessee. And the Lord really has blessed us there, blessed us with a message of the exchange life. Watch my time. Um, and the message is getting deeper and deeper with us. Um, I'm trying to decide what Lord wants me to share what he doesn't want me to share. So let me look back at my paper so I don't go too far. Um, John talked about some of our mission trips. They have been amazing. Uh, last year when we were at the um, Dominican Republic, I had the opportunity to speak to some ladies. They called Lilies. And the mission was Lily House. And these are women who were, were taken out of trafficking. And they were learning about the Lord, and they were teaching them a trade. Because these women had been raised, not just women who were, you know, put into that sex trade kind of thing, but some of them, that was, there's such an impoverished area that that's how women would provide for their families and their children. If we needed shoes, if we needed uh, food, if I needed, then the women would go out and be used so that they'd have enough money to provide for their family. And it became, that's my grandmother did, that's my mom did, that's why I provided my family. And it was bad, and it was demeaning, and they didn't see any way out because uh, economically, they had no resources, and they couldn't see their children starve. So what a terrible position for women to be in. And when they would go before the courts, it was run by men. And they would not convict any of these men even if it was being stolen from their homes and so forth. So they need prayer. Those missionaries need prayer in the Dominican Republic. But where we were were was very secure. There were guards. And these women were being taught trade. They were being taught how to make jewelry. They were taught how to sew and do other trades so that they would have resources and they would be able to take care of their families. So what a privilege to be able to talk to these women. I walked in with sunglasses on, and they interpreted and they said, they think you're a movie star. I said, that's funny. <laughs> it's like, I just have sunglasses. <laughs> They're very cute. Okay. Um, 
What did I keep on the floor? Talk about Dollywood? Okay. I'll tell you about my job. Um, when we moved to Tennessee, we knew that we would be missionary supported. That was a big thing from giving up the salary and starting with a family of seven. And so the Lord provided a beautiful home for us. And that's another whole story because I got to pick a, a house without John. I said, I, I bought us a house, honey. <laughs> I did talk to him on the phone. And, and guess what? I took pictures of the house. It was a handshake deal, nothing in writing. She said we could have a house. <laughs> I just called him. And he said, yeah, sounds like a good deal. Um, anyway, I took pictures of the house, and when I got back, they, my picture didn't come out. So John didn't even see a picture of the house that I bought. That was a lot of faith. God bless you, man. It was very kind of Who knew that he loves our house? It's a nice house. It's a big house. Yeah. And my parents were there, and there was also friend, friend of the ministry, the ministry who was an architect who did check the house. He said, this is a good house, and it's a good price. So wasn't, I wasn't completely um, out in the dark about that. Anyway, God provided us for that. And I knew I needed a job. So I wanted to find a fun job. But I need a fun job. I don't work. I want a fun job, right? <laughs> okay, there's a place where we live called Dollywood. Might have heard of Dolly Parton singer. Yeah. Well, Dolly has a theme park. She does, and it's called Dollywood. You can check it out. We live in a tourist town, and I started working at a little gift shop. And then uh, the hours of working at a theme park—you can imagine—I'm working every Sunday, every night, things like that. That's hard when you have small children. And so I would get the opportunity to work in our warehouse. I can work in a warehouse. I can move a pallet jack with the best of them. Anyway, so I was out in the warehouse, minding my own business, and I was always staying at home, um, when a job came open in human resources. And the leadership of Dollar came and said, we think you should apply for this job. I said, I'm good at this warehouse. I could sit here at home. And they said, <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, I really did say that. I said, tell me about this job. And they told me that I would be teaching everyone that came to work at Dollywood. I would do a new high orientation. And we have a program we call, well, one of our, we have a mission statement, a vision statement, and core values. And the core values come out of scripture. And I said, can I teach core values? He said, yes, you would. I said, okay, sign me up. So for 10 years now, I have been teaching new higher orientation to anybody who comes to work at Dollywood, and I average around 2,000 new hosts um, a year. So thousands and thousands of people have come through my classes, and I get to share scripture. I get to talk about what it means to, um, well, to work at Dollywood <laughs> and all the rules. But what a privilege. What a privilege it has been. And we have students coming from all over the world. We had over 200 international students that have been in my classes. And I, we have an inter- international student ministry at our church. So I um, can give them uh, invitations. I'm allowed to give them invitations. I hand out Jesus videos. I mean, I'm a dog. I do. I just, here, And the chaplain is a very good friend of ours. Yes, sir. So would that make you a dolly cycle? 
pretty cool is people who lost loved ones that day. Back at 9-11. Never to know it. I was about to lose my daughter that day. Um, I won't go into too much detail except to say that her name is Sarah. And she is still very much alive. Actually, she's more alive than any one of us. She did have some health problems. But she was getting ready for work that day, and John and I were both at work. Where she stopped breathing, she trouble breathing, called 911 herself. And they believed that she died within five minutes of a pulmonary embolism. So she she just stopped breathing. Um, other people survived pulmonary embolism. You know, people who have. But it had to be placed just right where she could not breathe. Before that, she had been in chronic pain. She had been in our home for six, about six and a half years on, with chronic pain, and it was getting worse. And John and I didn't know what to do. And every night when I would be praying, I'd be literally crying to the Lord to heal Sarah. Sarah, Lord, heal Sarah. We don't know what to do. Tell us what to do. What doctor to take her to? What can we do, Lord? Because we love our precious daughter. And here she is suffering. Well, the Lord heard our prayer. And I can't tell you how many times as a pastor's wife, if somebody said, you know, the Lord's taken this person away, and I have said to them, but they're healed now. The Lord always answers prayer, and they're healed. They may not be where we want them to be with us, but they're healed in heaven. And that was my turn. Then my daughter healed in heaven. It was such a surprise. That morning. Anyway. I won't go into too much detail, but we did get to see her again before the, um, because she died in our home alone. They had to take her away for an autopsy. We didn't see her for five days. And our daughter, the nurse, said, I don't know, Mom, if you're ready to do that. And we weren't sure if we were ready to do that either. But the funeral parlor, the funeral home called and said, she's ready to be seen if you want to see her. And so we prepared ourselves. We had a, a date with our daughter. We prepared ourselves to see Sarah. And in my mind, some, the Lord just said, I can't think it. she'll never get married. She'll not have a wedding. And so, they were talking about weddings and marriages. And I thought, but she's the best bridegroom of all. And we're going to get ready to present our daughter to her king and her bridegroom. And when a girlfriend who was in charge of um, wardrobe at Dollywood, uh, my friend Angie, I ran down to her and I said, listen, we, we have to decorate the church for Sarah, and I don't know what to do. And I said, but I want it to be her wedding. I want it to look like a wedding, not like a funeral, a wedding, because this is the only wedding my daughter's going to have. And my girlfriend said, what colors, Linda? I said, royal blue and silver. And she said, I got you this weather. We'll take care of it. They decorated pubos, sparkly silver pubos. I twinkly lights up front. There was a crown on a pillow. And, and pictures, beautiful pictures of Sarah. And I thought, she would have loved this. I hope she's here to see it. That was awesome. And then when we presented, we went to see Sarah. God gave me so much grace. And I have to tell you that all day we prepared. I prepared myself, John prepared himself. 
herself to meet Sarah before she went on. I brought her a crown for her head, a bouquet of flowers. I anointed her with sparkle, she likes sparkle. Some stickers, she loves stickers. Um, Bible verses. When we found Sarah, and we really looked around where she'd been sitting, what her room looked like, there were scriptures written out by hand. There were prayers all around her. And so she was ready to meet her king. And some of the verses, when the Lord would, would strike a verse to me, I'd all say, like this. Look what the Lord showed me. I think this is for you. Well, I didn't know she was writing about herself. So she had uh, a little envelope full of um, scriptures. But she had put them in her own handwriting. She had much better handwriting than me. Beautiful. So I rewrote them again, and I tied them around her wrist. Because I just wanted her to have scripture on. I don't know why. It just seemed like a good idea. When she was dedicated in this church, um, I sang the cradle song. You might know that song, the cradle song. Well, God gave us extra grace, and I could sing the cradle song over Sarah that day. And we prayed with her, we held her, and then we presented her to a king. And I felt, John too, I wouldn't have missed that moment for the world. Because that 45 minutes, we were in the presence of God. Presence of God. She was... She was gone. And let me just tell you a quick story. Just after Sarah passed, actually that day, we met another friend who was just about to lose her father-in-law. She was having a hard time because he was so close to him and he loved the Lord. And she said, I was talking to a woman who lost her grandmother. And she said, they were all sitting around grandma's bed and she was, she was failing. And suddenly grandmother lifted and she was not conscious. And suddenly she lifted an arm and looked at it. She said, what did she say? Oh, oh that's right. She said, I have no pain. And then she lifted her other arm and she said, and I'm beautiful. And she went to heaven. And so that is the, we have to bring down a card on our coffee table. No pain, I'm beautiful. And that's our girl. She has no pain. And she is beautiful once again. She's the presence of her Savior. And I said to John, since we've lost our girl, <laughs> no, we, lose her. we know exactly where she is. She's just waiting for us. Like he I do talk to her every day. Sarah, please get my mansion sparkling. I would like to be, to be dazzled, and I'm right next to yours. And my mom's soon going to be going home, and she's... She, this week she said, I thought I was going to see Sarah today. And I said, well, my baby is here tomorrow. And you're going to get the mansion on the other side. So we're, we're, we're preparing. And so when you lose someone, when someone in your life goes on to heaven, um, I said, I feel like I've become a magnet for everyone who, who is hurting. And I think that's been part of Sarah's legacy. She's okay now. She's in no more pain. She's with the Savior. And God has given us so many what we call grace tokens. Um, unusual things that animals have done, but prayers that we've had. Uh, dreams, I, I just told Eileen uh, about our son Brad. My birthday was, well, July the 9th, so just a short time ago. And my son said, Mom, can I tell you my dream? I don't want you to be upset, but can I tell you my dream? So okay. He's our oldest son. He said, Mom, I dreamt that I was with you and you were on the telephone and you were talking to Sarah. And 
I could hear Sarah's voice, and she was telling me that I'm fine. It's wonderful here. I can't wait to get here. And, he, and I said, Brad, how did that make you feel? And he said, it made me know that Sarah is okay, and I have peace. And I said, she is okay, and she does have peace. So the Lord is giving us so much grace. And at Christmas time, John and I were invited to help do a what we call a blue Christmas at Hollywood for anyone who worked there who was going to have a sad Christmas. And a lot of it was due to loss. And the Lord, it was, we, we were told ahead of time by our chaplain that maybe we won't get them to participate just to, to be there and we'll share scripture with them. So, but one by one, they all wanted to share. It was very healing. And still, when I walked into Hollywood, I get hugs from all kinds of people because they see well, I see Jesus in, in each other, don't we? So, um, just before, I think that's good, honey. But just before I sing a song, I have so many ideas, but I think my spaghetti's tied now. Um, I was telling John, <laughs> but one time I had to I was singing a solo here, and I think, maybe it was evening, I don't remember. But I got up to sing a solo, and I was all prayed up and ready to sing. And after I started singing, I looked down, and there was an elderly gentleman always sat in the front with a bald head. Well, this particular day, he was wearing a toupee. And it was backwards. And for some reason, it tickled me. And I'm trying not to laugh, and I'm trying not to look at him. Mr. McGilbert, his name was. He was a cute man, but he had this, like, just, it wasn't the right color. I thought, you know, he got the second-hand shop or something, but nobody changes there right now. We're good. Bless him. God bless him. He's sweet as could be. But this uh, doesn't happen. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Just before I answer. I just wrote something else down there. Here we go. I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing acapella because, because I can. And this song I sang when John's mother passed away on his 19th birthday. Um, and it's called He Giveth More Grace, and you may all know it and have some great words. And we found another verse that I never heard before. So we're going to, I'm going to attempt to sing this. Because the Lord does give more grace. And you know what? Before I sing, I don't know what to talk about. Just before I sing, um, when we're going through all we're going through with our daughter passing, and I thought, oh, this is really hard. This is hard. This is too hard, Lord. So, I, I stopped. I said, if I die to self, then right now, Lord, you're going to have to live through me. Every day you have to live through me because I cannot. And he does. He gives more grace. And I can say, next time you meet with the Lord, will you tell him that the exchange life works? Because it's not me living anymore. It's not me smiling anymore. It's always Jesus. Always Jesus. And that's how you can love your spouse, how you can love your wayward children, how you can love that coworker who's not so nice. Um, but it's, it's not me alone, it's only Jesus. So let's try it again. <coughs> Excuse me. I for one of He gave for grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth for strength when the labors increase to add an affliction. 